talk today as we are continuing on this series. Last week, if you missed it, we talked about the lie of loneliness, the lie of loneliness, and talked about how the importance of being in community, uh, that communities work, but it's worth it. And today I want to continue the conversation around relationships. And in this series, if you've been wondering, pastor, is this series for me? If you are single in the room and you are ready to mingle, this series is for you. Come on. In fact, that's you. You can go ahead and stand up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, listen, don't hate the player. Hate the game, okay? There ain't no shame in playing the game. If you are single and you're like, pastor, my mingling days are over, this series is for you. If you are happily married, this series is for you. If you are unhappily married, this series is for you. If you have no idea what you are, this series is also for you. Today, uh, I was reflecting. You know, our, our view of relationships have been greatly influenced by media, movies, rom-coms, and music. But I, don't, I think in some ways, music has not influenced us in the best of ways always. You know, I was thinking about how different music that was shaped me even as a young man. In fact, I'm going to invite some audience participation this morning. I was reflecting this week upon a song that I grew up listening to uh, by Brian McKnight, uh, Back at One. Anybody else? That was your jam. Uh, we're actually going to have some lyrics on the screens because we're inviting you to sing along with us. And don't act like you don't know it. You ready? One, you're like a dream come true. Come on, people. Two, just want to be with you. Three, girl, it's plain to see that you're the only one for me now. Four, repeat steps. One, two, three, five. I'll make you fall in love with me. If ever I believe my work is done, then I'll start back at one. For those who don't know, well done. This is my wife on the front row if you're wondering. This church is really weird. Pastors like flirting with a woman in the congregation. It's my wife, just if you don't know. Uh, <laughs> But come on, some of, you old, some of you older generation might be thinking, yeah, all the, the new music, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not great. Well, let's go to an old but good song that has been redone by many modern artists. Elvis Presley. Ready? Can't help falling in love. Come on, sing it along with me now. Wise men say only fools rush in. But I can't help falling in love with you. Verse 2. Shall I stay? Would it be a sin if I can't help falling in love with you? Now listen. Some of you, that's the most you have ever uh, were singing along in church, okay? <laughs> so next week when you come here and our worship team's leading out, I expect you to sing. But listen, that song by Elvis is not helpful. Wise men told him, don't do it. And he's like, I can't help it. I can't help it. Right? Then he's like, Shall, is it a sin? Hey, ladies, that's a red flag, right? If the guy's like, should I stay? Will be a sin? Red flag. Cut him out of your life, Okay. But finally, 
a prophetess has risen up in this generation. And really, she's speaking the truth. Taylor Swift. (laughs) It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. Come on. That's some truth right there. You got relationship problems. Write this down. I'm the problem. It's me. (laughs) Bow your heads. That's the message. Okay. Right there. I just helped you out right there. I just literally helped out your marriage right there. You're welcome. I'm here all day. Three times. Three times. But here's, here's the truth. If you're in this room watching online, I believe you want to have healthy relationships. Listen, a healthy relationships requires a healthy me. It starts with me. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. It's me that, that and here's today's message. I want to share this. I'm going to speak specifically uh, to singles in the room. Uh, so where are all my singles at? Come on. All right. Statistics show about one in two in this county are singles. So either no single people go here or they're all in the 1130 service. Okay. All right. I got to change my message now. No, but actually statistics show 70% of the district is single. Uh, about 45% of Montgomery County is single. So it should be about one out of two of us in this room. This applies to but I'm not leaving you married folks out because I'm going to include some application in this message for you. And don't worry, we're going to have a message specifically around marriage uh, to which we're going to have some elements for those who are single in the room to be included as well. But I think it's important to look to God's word to get guidance of how do we navigate relationships, including singleness well. And let me just say this. This is important um, because sometimes unintentionally I think in the church there can be a mistake uh, that if you are to be single does not mean you're in a less than season. Can I get an amen? Like a single season or maybe you're calling to be single. Some of you are called to be single. It's biblical. There's, there, there were In the New Testament, people were called to be single their whole life. Like, like that, that is also, listen, it's not a less than call. Can I get an amen? So I want to help and speak from God's word of how do we navigate because I think, and if you, but I am going to speak to married folks as well, not to leave you out, i get something for you. I got some application for my own life, and I'm married in this message. But if you're single, we put in our culture, we put a lot of focus on finding the one, don't we? But listen, here's what I'm going to encourage you today. Instead of focusing so much on finding the one, become the one. Like focus on yourself. And then if you're married, I'm going to help you out. Don't focus so much on how your spouse can get better. You get better. That's for you, Christine, okay? That's for... <laughs> Just having some fun. Hey, you know what? She'll speak in a few weeks. I'll have to, you know, I'll have to deal with that too, so. No, but uh, you ready to dive into God's word? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And uh, God, we just thank you for your word. It's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And as we open up your word, God, we posture our hearts and our spirits to receive from you. And Father, we thank you that the ravens and the commanders are 2-0. and and We pray that you would confuse the schemes of the Colts and Bills today. And we would be 3-0 and in Jesus' name for the DMV. And everybody said, come on. The favor of the Lord is on the DMV. I think I'm feeling a ravens Commander Super Bowl coming on. Let's go. Let's go. All right, all right, all right. Some of you got real unspiritual real quick, okay? 
Next week, we're talking about football and the idol of football. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, I want to give you three thoughts today uh, on how we can become a healthier version of ourselves. Here's number one, if you're taking notes, is that we must pursue identity over intimacy. Identity over intimacy. First Peter 2.9, Peter says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Peter reminds us that we've been chosen by God, that God knitted you in your mother's womb. It feels good to be chosen, right? Whether it's in a relationship, maybe you got that acceptance letter from a university, it feels good to be chosen. Maybe a promotion at work. I still remember the feeling my junior year of high school, getting chosen to be on the high school basketball team. It felt good. It felt good. I worked for it. But listen, here's the difference between being chosen by God and being chosen in our world. Is when you're chosen for that promotion, you're chosen by that university, it's all based upon your performance. Listen to this. God chose you before you did anything for him. Even more, God chose you even knowing there would be moments that you would not follow him. God loves us. And that's the good news of the gospel, that God loves us, that even in our sin, God sent his son Jesus to die for us. And listen, this is important. If you are a follower of Jesus, we do not place our self-worth or our value in our possessions, in our positions, in our power, or even in our relationship status. But our value comes from being a child of God. That our value comes from Christ. Ephesians 1.4 says this, that even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You know, the Burroughs household, our kids love puzzles. Remember several years ago, they were kind of really into puzzles in this season and what would inevitably happen when you have like a four-year-old doing puzzles, parents can relate to this, you lose pieces. And can I, you know, there's, there's almost nothing more frustrating when you spent time on a puzzle and then you get to the end, you're like two pieces short. You're like, what? And I actually have a puzzle with me here this morning. Uh, one like that my children would have done when they were younger, right? And with a puzzle, you have these various pieces. I have a Dino Days puzzle here with me this morning. And you have all these pieces that go into the puzzle. You know, we put them here and, you know, all that. And, you know, when we were with our kids, we'd find that piece that was missing. And here's a common lie I think that we all are susceptible to believing. That there can be a degree of discontentment in all of our life. I've struggled with this. And we can think to ourselves or we can buy into the lie that I have this missing piece to my puzzle. And that if I just had this missing piece to my puzzle, then my life would be complete. And here's how I can lay out relationally. Have you found this to be true? That it's almost like whatever season you're not in feels like the season you're missing. It's like when you were home with your parents, you were like, man, I can't wait to be single on my own. Come on. That'll be the life. And then you're single on your own. You're like, man, I can't wait to be married. Then you're married. Man, I can't wait to be married with kids. And then you're married with kids. I can't wait till my kids move out. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say amen. <laughs> Some days. But we fall into this lie thinking this, 
that someone or someones will complete my puzzle. If I just have that relationship in my life, then my, my life will be better. Can I tell you this? Listen, no person, no position, no possession can complete you. Only God himself can satisfy you. And, it, and listen, if you do that, you will get married and you will face an ungodly burden upon your spouse to meet needs God never designed them to meet. That should have got a better response than it did, but I know you're all taking notes feverishly. But only God, and here's what will happen. Ready? Let me just speak plain to you. Here's what Dr. Les Parrott, a relational researcher, psychologist says, if you try to build intimacy with another person before you've gotten whole on your own, all of your relationships will become an attempt to complete yourself. There's a psychological term for this. It's called codependency. Research says conservatively over half of people, so one out of every two of us, are currently in some degree of a codependent relationship. Codependency came out of addiction research and now applies to a broader scale. Some research says a lot more of us are actually in codependent relationships at right now at some point. Here's what codependency is. is when you're in a codependent relationship, it is defined as an unhealthy devotion to a relationship at the cost of one personal and psychological needs. So here's what it will look like. You will stay in a relationship, a dating relationship you should no longer be in because your identity is enmeshed with that person. Or you will allow your boundaries to be violated over and over again because you have a codependent relationship. Or sometimes, listen, when it comes to our identity, because we don't have a healthy identity in Christ, we will sometimes sabotage healthy relationships because we don't actually know our true worth before God. So this is why it's so important. Listen, if you want the healthiest relationships that God intended for you, it requires a healthy identity in Christ. And this is personal for me. Before I met Christina and before I came to Christ in my mid-20s, I didn't have a healthy identity. I was full of insecurity. And I had codependent relationships. Now write this down. Here's how you know you might have a codependent relationship. When the relationship changes or you lose the relationship, you feel like you lost a part of yourself. Relationships ending are painful, but a relationship ending should not feel like a part of yourself just ended. Now, you can have codependent relationships with your child, with your parents, with a, with a sibling, with your spouse. We all are susceptible to codependency, and it starts with having a healthy identity in Christ. And I had this. So it wasn't until when I came to faith in Christ, a scripture that transformed me was Psalms 139. It says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. David says, marvelous are your works, O God, I know them full well. David was referring to himself. So imagine this. You look in the mirror tomorrow morning, and you say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God, marvelous are your works. I know them full well. Look at me. <laughs> Listen, I want you to hear this. Because I think in a, in a culture that demands perfection, it produces people full of insecurity and anxiety. Yeah. Hey, if you're taking notes, look, look up for a second. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. When God looks at you, he says marvelous. 
The imperfections that you are focused on, God does not see. He looks at you as fearfully and wonderfully made. He knitted you in your mother's womb. And when we begin to get that, listen, and when that began to get on the inside of my spirit, by the time I met Christina, I had to laugh when she told me this. She said, I came across as a very confident man. And here's why I laughed. Because I've been riddled with insecurity my whole life. And that, listen, that security came from my identity in Christ. And all other identities are shifting sand. They're unstable. But there's one identity that will give you a sense of security. Listen, that no ex can take from you. That no boss can take from you. Because my value's not in my position. It's not my relationship status. It's not in whatever season I'm in. It is in Christ. And that's going to produce a health on the inside of you. 1 Corinthians 7, 32, Paul is speaking about being single here. He says this, I would like for you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs and how he can please the Lord. Here's what Paul said. Paul wrote this as a single, by the way. He was single. He says, he says your season of singleness or your calling to singleness is for a singular devotion to God. That you can have a full foot. When you're married, you have now to become one. You have a spouse as well. You're still focused on God, but you have a spouse. Allow your season of singleness to be a season of devotion to God. Now, as you pursue God, here's what Christ says in Matthew 5, 6, that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus says you will find contentment, you will find fulfillment, not in a relationship, but in pursuing righteousness, pursuing God. Have you ever noticed when we are discontent, we will make poor decisions? Like have you ever bought something because you are feeling discontent and later you wish you did not? Or you overextended yourself? Or come on, let's get real about relationships. Or you started dating somebody because you were discontent being single? And you were in that relationship and you knew, I really don't want to be with this person. I don't want to marry this person. I'm just kind of bored. Come on, if that's you right now, text him. It's over. Just <laughs> kidding, just kidding. Have a face-to-face conversation. But do end it. Uh, for somebody. No, but, but discontent. Listen. Contentment comes from Christ and saying, God, I'm going to pursue you. You know, I was reminded of um, someone about eight, eight, eight or ten years ago I pastored. He was in his early 30s, so much going for him, attractive young man. And he asked to meet with me. And he said, Pastor, I want to just make sure I heard from the Lord. He said, in my, in my time of prayer, I keep sensing that I'm supposed to, um, su- like, suspend dating like not date anyone for a year. He said, I wanted to make sure it's, it's just the Lord. And he said, because I want to take this year and just focus on him and not get distracted. And as we talked about it, I kind of felt like, I said, hey, I feel like this is God. Like I asked you to do this. And for, so for a year, like what he did, he reinvested the time he would have been spending pursuing someone. He invested it into his relationship with God. So he like grew in his prayer life and reading scripture. He led a community group, in fact, one of the largest ones at that church. He, he's, he was a, a team leader on our guest services team. He was in, involved in the community and life of the church. And about month nine or ten, there was a woman who joined his community group. 
And that woman, as he got to know her, and he began to sense that there might be something deeper here, he asked to meet with me one more time. He said, Pastor, I think I met someone that I want to date. He said, these last two months are going to be really hard. (laughs) I said, it might be God. About six months after his 12 months, um, I was able to officiate he and his wife's wedding. And they are now following Christ together. And and here's here's the principle I want you to glean from this. Ready? If you're single, is to pursue God more than you pursue a person. What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God and all the other things will be added unto you. Hey, if you're married, here's application for you. Is do not look for your spouse or your marriage relationship to bring fulfillment to your life. Look to God. We're not called to, to glean fulfillment from our marriage. We're called to serve our spouse and our fulfillment comes from Christ. Here's point number two. So point one, pursue identity over intimacy. Point two, pursue character over chemistry. So we have a now 11-month-old golden doodle puppy. And when I take Toby on walks, he's highly extroverted. He loves to meet other dogs. But if he senses the dog is not as receptive to him, uh, and not all dogs are as joyful as he is, so when he senses that, he kind of like, okay, I'm good, and he keeps walking. But the other day we were walking, and I, he saw another golden doodle puppy. I tell you what, they both lost their minds. They were like running in circles around each other, jumping, licking each other. I mean, it was just like both myself and the other owner were like, this is unbelievable. And we had to like pull them away from each other. Toby's like whining because he just wanted to like hang with them. And it made me think about there's actually a, um, a, a term used in psychology called the similarity, similarity attraction theory or similarity attraction effect. You know how we say opposites attract? Well, the research actually says just the opposite. We are actually most attracted to people who are like us. Not saying the exact same, but have similar characteristics and qualities like us. They found this back in the mid-1900s, that people were attracted, more attracted, not just romantically, but even in friendships, the people who were like them. And it's been kind of shown over and over again in psychosocial research that we are attracted to people who are like us. So why is it important for us to emphasize character over chemistry? Here's why. We do not attract who we want. We attract who we are. Before I was really pursuing God, if you would have asked me what type of a a woman I want to marry, I would say a woman with integrity. But I was not a man of integrity. Or a woman who loved God. But I really wasn't loving God. And it wasn't until I began to focus on my own character and my own life that things began to change. Because why? Because we attract who we are and not just who we want in our life. Matthew 7, Jesus said this in verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. If you have a plank in your eye, you're going to have a hard time seeing clearly. Would you agree? Your view will be obstructed. Jesus is referring to sin here. He's saying don't don't focus on other people's sin. Deal with your own sin first. Here's the principle. Sin will prevent us from seeing clearly in our relationships. 
Now, I told you it's PG-13. Here's the moment I want to get to. This is true. Let me give you some context. That's why Jesus, or throughout the scriptures, talks about sex being for the context of marriage. Now, I know that statement is very unpopular in our culture. Statistics show the large majority of people disagree with God's word on that. But listen, I want you to catch this is why. When you have sex with somebody, you release three neurochemicals, oxytocin, dopamine, and endorphins. Dopamine and endorphin will get you high. Oxytocin increases connection. Write this down. So sex will confuse you into thinking there's more in the relationship than there actually is. Because your sex with that person has connected you to them. Catch the beauty of God's creation. That's why he created sex for marriage. So every time you have sex in the context of marriage, you become more connected to your spouse. Now, that should have got an amen from some people, but I'm talking about sex people, okay? Move on. Hey, but listen. This is why, listen, God created sex for marriage not to withhold from you, but to save you from making poor decisions. Now, I could go into more of the research that shows that couples who have sex prior to marriage, couples who cohabitate, that actually have higher rates of divorce than couples who do not. I don't say that to bring condemnation or shame upon anyone. That's not God's heart. I'm saying it to point to the fact that God's design has a purpose to bless your life. Now, listen, under the blood of Jesus, you repent and you turn. I don't say this is a perfect person. I made lots of mistakes in this area prior to coming to Christ. But I'm telling you, this area of your life, the enemy is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy this generation. We'll move on. Some of you don't like this. But that's okay. I love you. It's the truth. For some of you, it's, it's, you, need to, you need to, sex is one of them. Maybe for others of you, it's discontentment. Discontentment's a sin. Because the Bible talks about godliness with contentment is a great gain. And discontentment can sometimes cause you to move faster in a relationship than you should. On the flip side, sometimes fear Maybe you experience brokenness in your family, and fear over brokenness in a relationship can cause you to move too slow, right? You ever meet someone, it's like, how long have you been engaged? Four years. If that's you, just get married today. I'll do it. I'll do it after service. I will. It's too long, brother. Too long. No one needs four years. I love you, but you know I'm right. I love you. All right. Hey, in marriage, pride can blind you from thinking your marital problems is primary, primarily your spouse's problems without seeing your own issues. Or the envy and jealousy, watch this if you're married, can make you think if you were married to somebody else, this marriage would be easier. Sin will prevent you from seeing things as they are. Remove the plank in your own eyes, Jesus says. How do you do that? Paul says this, 2 Timothy 2.22, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. So flee sin and pursue righteousness. So what do you do? You flee the sexual sin that may cause you to make a relationship mistake. And you pursue righteousness and purity by following the ways of Jesus. You flee that habitual sin that could cause damage to your relationship. And you pursue freedom of being open and vulnerable 
in a community group. You flee blaming your spouse for your problems. And you pursue humility and acknowledge the mistakes you've made. You know, when I first came to Christ, I was single. And I had made a lot of mistakes in my life. And for me, prior to Christ, my kind of weekly rhythm was Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, I would go out to the bars. And that's where I was. And I was not making good decisions. So when I came to faith in Christ, I kind of knew instinctively I should probably not go to those places anymore and probably spend time with some of the people that I was spending time with because I was making poor decisions for my life. Just a side note, James says this, that all sin in our life eventually leads to destruction. That's why the, the Bible says to flee from it. Because that, that word flee, actually, to give you a word picture, is like run like you stole something. Come on, somebody. Not that you ever stole anything, but if you did, how fast you would run. <laughs> but, but that, you, so for me, when I came to Christ, I realized I needed to change my rhythms. So instead of going to the bars Thursday and Friday and Saturday night, which was my custom, I began to get more involved in my church community and build some new relationships because I wanted to, to flee those poor decisions I was making and pursue right decisions in the way of life that is the way of Jesus. So here's my question for you. None of us are perfect. So we all have some area. What's an area of your life where you're prone to sin? What area do you need to flee? Do you need to put some boundaries up in your life? And how can you pursue the right ways of Christ in a greater way? 2 Peter 1.5 says this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, goodness knowledge, knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, godliness mutual affection, and mutual affection love. Peter says make every effort. Go all out. You know when you go to the gym, you ever notice this? There are some people you see at the gym and they're like lifting weights and they're having a full-blown conversation while they're lifting weights. And you know they're not, they're not making every effort, right? Come on, right? They're just there for social hour. <laughs> but then you see those folks who make those like crazy faces. They're like lifting weights like, ah, ah, you know, it's like <laughs> they going in. They're about to build their biceps right now. There's a difference, right? Listen, Peter's cautioning us, and I've seen this in my years of pastoring, and I want to I give you a challenge. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, but I want to challenge you this fall is to make every effort to go all in on your relationship with Jesus. Because here's what I've seen in my years of pastoring, is that sometimes we can kind of go through the motions. Well, I'll come to church when it's convenient. Or I'll read my Bible for a few days and then just maybe three weeks, five weeks, not read the scriptures. And, and the scripture will say this, that when a double-minded person is unstable in their ways. And here's my challenge for you because I want you to experience the best that God has for you. There's no condemnation. There's no shame. But listen, to go all in with God. Like say, God, I'm, I'm going to commit, not just when it's convenient, I'm going to commit to church. I'm going to commit to reading the scriptures. I'm going to commit to prayer. I'm not just going to sign up for five community groups. I'm going to show up. Right? Listen, the power is not in signing up for the group. The easy part's done when you sign up. It's actually showing up. I remember the first time, actually, 
when I went to a community group for the first time. Maybe this will help some of you. And just so you know, the enemy will try to convince you that you don't have time for it or you shouldn't, just to give you a heads up. I remember I pulled up to my first community group and I just came back to Christ. And I sat in the parking lot of my friend's driveway. And I thought to myself, this is a bad decision. I shouldn't do this. Hey, that group changed my life. So just so you know, maybe you signed up. And then this week you're like, I shouldn't go. I shouldn't go. It's a bad decision. Pastor Jeremy, he's lying to me. He's not telling the truth. I know. That's okay. Listen, that's a lie from the enemy. Because on the other side of your obedience is transformation. The transformation you've actually been longing for. The transformation that will heal the pain that you've been numbing with your life. And I'm telling you, as you say, listen, so if you have those thoughts this week, again, the power is not in the sign up, it's in the show up. So make every effort. Let me say one last thing about this and we'll go to point three. John 17, 17 says this. Jesus says these words, sanctify them, referring to us, by the truth. Your word is truth. The way we transform our character is not just saying I'm going to try harder. The beauty of the word of God, James actually calls the word of God a mirror. The power of reading the word of God, when you read the word of God, the word of God actually reads you. And let me help you out. Because if you're a human, which I assume all of you here are, watching online, when you read the word of God, you are bound to come across a scripture that you are not living out. And listen, I want you to hear this. When you read the word and you see something, that's not, maybe that's not happening in my life. I want you to hear this. The word of God is a mirror of your true reflection and who you really are. So when I read the word and it reminds me that I'm no longer defined by my past mistakes, but I'm a new creation in Christ. That I'm no longer bound to that habitual sin or that addiction. That who the sun sets free is free indeed. The word of God reminds me of who I am in Christ. It reminds me of who I really am. And that I allow the word of God to transform me and change me. So pursue character over chemistry. Here's my final point, is pursue purpose over passion. Pursue purpose over passion. Also, just another note about point two, the character piece. I found this to be true in my own life, so let me speak to married people for a second. I have found that one of the best things I can do for my marriage is to allow the Holy Spirit to convict me and the word of God to shape my character. It's one of the best things you can do for your marriage is to allow God's word to get deep on the inside of you. When Christina and I first met, we had a lot of passion. We loved being with each other. At least I loved being with her. She loves when I talk about her like this publicly. <laughs> we would love to talk on the phone. That kind of like, you hang up. No, you hang up. True story, when I would, I would walk her out to a car and she'd leave my house. And I remember like, remember this? Many nights you'd be sitting in your car and we would continue talking for like 30 minutes. And we just love being with each other. But listen, hey, married people, you know this. Passion comes in waves, right? Comes and goes. You may not feel that passion folding his drawers. Come on, somebody. 
You may not feel that passion doing those dishes. But listen, write this down. Passion will come and go, but purpose remains. So when you build a relationship and you build your life, if you're single, on purpose, that's what will last. Ephesians 2.10, Paul says this, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That God created you on purpose and for a purpose. One of our passions here at Catalyst Church, we, when you go all in with God, I want to encourage you, go all in with Catalyst Church this fall. Here's what I mean. is lean into what we're doing. Get baptized if you haven't been baptized. Join a community group. Be a part of Serve Day. I want to tell you why. Because we structure what we do as a church, not just so you would become a good church person, because we want you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And we want you to go on a spiritual journey of knowing God, having a vibrant relationship with Jesus, finding freedom. That's where groups comes into play. Getting freedom from your hurts, your hangups, and your bad habits. And then discovering your unique God-given purpose because God has a purpose for you. One of my favorite things as a pastor, so I talked to somebody. It happened this morning before the 830 service. I was here with some of our dream team. Shout out to our dream team who are here at 630 setting up. I love our dream team. And someone was talking about what they do for their, their job. And you could tell the passion they had. They were walking in their God-given purpose. Like they were doing what God created them to do. And we want to help you discover that. Like we believe you can walk in the purposes of God as a doctor, as a business leader, as a teacher, as a parent. Like God has a purpose for your life. So if you are single in the room, listen, pursue purpose more than passion with somebody else. Listen, now write this down. And do not allow your passion for someone to distract you from God's purpose. I have seen in my years of pastoring now a number of people more than I wish was was true. Where they were on fire for God, they were pursuing God, and they had a relationship with somebody who wasn't pursuing God at the same pace. Then all of a sudden, slowly but surely, they drift away. Listen, when you're, when you're building a relationship with someone, have someone in your life that you're dating who's pursuing God at the same pace that you are, who's going to push you forward in your relationship with God and not pull you back. Someone who's really leaning in to the ways of Jesus and, and helping to push you forward in your purpose. Hey, also a little side note. If you're single, do not date someone based on a hope. It's not good practice. But does he, does he love Jesus? Well, yeah, he's been a church pastor. Does he love Jesus? In Jesus' name, he will, pastor. No, no, no. no. Don't, don't, no. Hey, in all, all sincerity, I've seen people make that mistake. The greatest predictor of someone's future is their past. Now, God can change anything. But don't date or marry someone in need of a miracle. I'm just trying to help you out. I love you as your pastor. Hey, if you're married, seek God and ask God, God, what's the unique purpose you brought us together? The Bible says one can put a thousand in flight, two can put ten thousand. 
Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. So God, why have you brought us together? And discover that unique purpose. My last scripture is Colossians 3.17. The apostle Paul says this. This is, this is all of our purpose. <laughs> Whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul says, whatever you do. In other words, our faith is not an accessory in our life. Our identity as a follower of Christ influences and informs every other identity. Meaning when I work, when I go to work, I work for the glory of God. When I parent, I parent for the glory of God. When I manage my finances, I manage my finances for the glory of God. Like everything in my life is for the glory of God. My faith is not a Sunday routine. It's not a morning ritual. It's, 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 it's everything I do is, is, is informed and influenced by my faith. You know, if you're single, I heard this analogy years ago that I want to leave you with. That when you are pursuing God, kind of put your head down and focus on pursuing God, making that your primary relationship, pursuing his purpose for your life, working on your character, and then look up to see Who's pursuing God at the same pace? And a little side note, build friendship. One of the healthiest foundations you can have for a marriage is a healthy friendship. Christine's my best friend. And that friendship brings health into your relationship. But as you do so, as you're pursuing God and see who else is is running at the same pace. Now listen, for a large portion of my life, I did not do that. When I came back to faith in Christ in my mid-20s, that's how I started living. I said, God, I've done dating, I've done relationships my way. It didn't work out. All I have is pain. So I'm going to focus on you. And I wasn't running. I was on the elliptical, actually. And what do my wondrous eyes appear? But a beautiful woman with red hair. We struck up a conversation. But I remember the first conversation. It was a purpose-filled conversation. She just got back from a mission trip in Haiti. And we were sharing about just kind of purpose. I was on the elliptical for about 75 minutes that day, the longest I've ever been on the elliptical in my life. <laughs> I looked like I'd been through a rainstorm. I was soaked in sweat, head to toe. I was like dripping walking out of the gym, like squeaking. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I do that every day, every day. I love cardio. Uh, and we just were kind of, we were both focused on pursuing God. And, and I, I've messed up a lot. And our marriage isn't perfect. But I think we've got that right. And, and as we stayed married, hey, hey, married folks, our primary relationship is not with each other. It's still with God. And that's what actually makes us healthier. Is that it's him. And... And my encouragement for you, listen, is when you make the goal of your life to give God glory, when you seek first God, those other things you desire will be added unto you. That's my hope and my prayer for you as your pastor. Hey, if you are single and want to be married, man, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for that spouse for your life. But if you're married, I want you to have the most fulfilling marriage that you could ever have in Christ. I really do. But for us, a healthy relationship starts with a healthy me. Bow your heads with me, church.